The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The Spirit of the Living God is in the house. The Spirit of the Living God is touching this house. The Spirit of the Living God is touching your life. In Jesus' name, everyone who has affliction, everyone who has sickness, everyone who's hurting in the name of Jesus, we begin to remove that and and speak restoration to the people of God right now. There's a supernatural restoration. God is restoring the years the locusts have tried to eat. God is restoring the years of brokenness, restoring the years of pain, restoring the times and seasons. Today is the day the the restoration of Almighty God is here. Right now, God is beginning to heal. I see bodies being healed. Cancer has to go right now. How dare you, cancer? Come near the people of God. Has to go. I see bone marrow pain. Pain in the bones is going right now in Jesus' name. God is beginning to touch people. There's literally a wave of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is touching people right now. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Ghost. Zendra breda rabasso koshavan, breda bosso rebadaravede. Oh, sons and daughters are rising up. Sons and daughters are rising up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Look at somebody next to you or just say out loud say, I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. I'm breaking through. The hand of God is on my life. I am blessed. I am blessed. Amen. High five somebody tonight. Come on. Woo. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated, ladies and gentlemen. You may be seated tonight. Man. I began to hear the Holy Spirit while we're standing in worship here tonight. I began to hear, the Lord said, here's what I want you to talk about, Joseph. I said, yes, sir, I am yours to command, amen? As I was standing next to Pastor Tafara tonight, I began to hear the Lord speaking to me, and God spoke to me. He said, God's going to raise up, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, he's going to equip and raise up soldiers, soldiers of identity, He was going to raise up soldiers of identity from this place. He's going to begin to raise up an army. I began to see an army of soldiers. You know, like Ezekiel 37 talks about the valley of dry bones. They were very dry. And he said, man of God, what do you see? He said, Lord, I see a valley of dry bones. And he began to say, God, surely you know what's here. And he said, prophesy to the breath is what he told Ezekiel. And Ezekiel began to command the breath, and the breath came into the bones. We realize that represents Israel, but it's also prophetic for many things. And we see this today, that God is saying over the sons and daughters in South Africa, in Johannesburg, in this area and surrounding territories, that God is breaking forward with literally soldiers of identity. Listen to me. There are soldiers of identity in this house right now. Male, female, soldiers of identity. 
Praise God. I like women preachers. I don't know about you. People are like, women aren't supposed to preach. And it's like, well, I'm sorry that you're into that doctrine of demons, but I, I really happen to like women preachers. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If I were to break that down and all the religious uh, stuff that's from 2,000 years ago that has no bearing on our culture and some of the ways that has come about, you go, oh, it's amazing how people literally put uh, uh, religious strongholds on people through teaching. Women has been some of the most oppressed people in all of history, and Jesus came to set women free. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sure that just blessed somebody that was religious, and the religious cow, the religious cow just tipped over. Moo! Right? Praise God. So, amen. It's a good night in Jesus tonight. I believe Jesus was the happiest man who ever walked the earth. I really do. I think he walked around. I think the first time he cast out demons, Pastor Tafara, I think he was like, ha, 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 that was awesome. I think that's Jesus. God's not a sad God. Jesus wasn't a sad man. You know, he walked around, he took on our sorrows, became the man of sorrows. But he said, for the joy set before him, he endured the shame, Hebrews says. We realize that he had the oil of joy above all his yoke fellows, or above all his brethren. He had more joy than anybody around. Jesus was happy. He was. We, we see these pictures where Jesus is like this anemic Jesus, you know. That's not Jesus. I think the devil painted those pictures. The devil's like, amen, right? No, it's too much. Okay. And so you realize this, though. Jesus, is he's full of life. He wants us to win. If you're religious tonight, this message is going to hurt you. Amen? Everybody say, praise the Lord. <laughs> you can't get out now. Everybody will know. Praise God. <laughs> God loves us so much. And don't worry, whatever I say, Pastor Tafara will fix. He will fix it. Praise God. <laughs> oh, what a privilege to be here. I just want to honor Pastor Tafara, Pastor Chipo again this evening. Thank you for letting me be your guest. It's a privilege to be with you. You guys are such uh, just honorable leaders in the body of Christ. We're honored to, to be here. My wife, Heather, and I, Heather's not here tonight, but she's standing with me in faith, just standing with these leaders. I'm telling you, you're privileged to have Pastor Tafara and Pastor Chipo. Praise God. Pastor T. So it's going to be a good season. Thank you, Lord. So soldiers of identity. Soldiers of identity. Let me say something to everybody tonight. We're going to talk about the prophetic in a moment some more. But what I want to say is this. Both the church and the world deserve to see something. Listen to me. Both the church and the world deserve to see something. As a matter of fact, Jesus is owed that the church and the world see something. And do you know what that is? Mature believers. Not just believers. Mature believers. You say, is there a difference? Yes. There's a difference. You see, mature believers don't walk around wounded all the time. They don't walk around offended all the time. They're not always competing with other people. They're not always, you know, envious, full of strife, always wounded, walking around with their diapers on. Mature believers don't do that. Everybody say, by faith tonight, say, I'm a mature believer. Say, you're talking about me tonight. I'm a mature believer. And God wants mature believers to stand up. Now, mature believers literally just means this. It means that you are in your identification with who you are in Christ. You understand your identity. 
A mature believer is somebody that changes the atmosphere when they walk in the room. As a matter of fact, your presence, I'll say this out loud, say this after me. Say, my presence should demand an explanation. Meaning everywhere you walk, come on, everywhere you walk, your presence should demand an explanation. Right? That means that we are called by God to do something. We're not born to just convert oxygen into carbon dioxide, right? We're called to literally change lives. My presence, when I walk into places, demands an explanation. Not out of arrogance or being an immature baby Christian, but walking in with the love of God. Not being intimidated by the darkness. There is no fear in this church. Come on, there's no fear in the people of God. Do you think God ever gets afraid on the throne? Do you think when you have a problem, he breaks into a sweat? Ooh. Do you think when you get, ask God for a miracle, he's like, I can answer one of those, but not two. The lights will dim in heaven. There could be a power outage in heaven. Hold on, Gabriel. Plug another light in. Hold on, you know. That's not how it is. Start a generator, Michael. You know, it's not like that. That's not how it is. God's not like that. God's a good God. He's got everything we need, plenty more in store. We have more than enough to overcome this world. Praise God. I'm telling you right now, you're the answer the world's looking for. You don't need some holy one to come along and wave their hand over you. You don't need that. Praise God. You know how many people have been manipulated by the prophetic? You know how many people have been manipulated by, by big personalities with zero Holy Ghost? Don't shout me down. Come on. we got to realize something. God's called us to live, move, and have our being. God's called us to have victory. God's called you to win. But it begins in the place of your identity. Of your identity. Romans 8, chapter 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, for as many as have received him, out of the King James Version, it says, for as many as have received him. How many have received Jesus? About half of you. Good. Praise God. No. <laughs> we realize this, though. As many as have received him, uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as have received him, to these he gave the right or the power to become sons of God. Let's talk about this. It says, for as many as have, the, new, the King James says, have received him, past tense. It means you're already born again. It means you're converted. You're in Jesus. Do you know there's a lot of people that are walking around as converts? They're born again, but that's where they stop. They're converted. They say, I've given my life to Jesus. I prayed the prayer. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. It's awesome. But there's a difference between have received him and have the right to become sons of God. There's a difference. You're already a son of God if you're born again, but the difference is whether you know it or not. Right? Oh, I'm going to hit you with some revelation tonight. It's going to be awesome. Now listen. For as many as have received him, to these ones he's given the right to become sons of God. Sons of God. The right to become children of God. To become children of God. The right. You can't step into your authority if you don't know your rights. You don't need the holy ones to walk around. You are the holy one in Jesus. You're as anointed as any preacher you've ever seen. 
You're as called by God as any preacher you've ever seen to do your lane, to walk in your gifting and your calling. And the truth is, sons and daughters of God is what God's looking for to stand up and be soldiers of identity. When you know who you are, listen to me. The devil fears and trembles at the name of Jesus. Did you know that you, listen now, you have more power in your little finger than all the kingdom of darkness combined. More authority, you terrorize the darkness. I told Ashley Teradez he should call himself a terrorizer. He's like, Joseph, <laughs> but you recognize it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love that man so much. He's one of my very dearest friends. Now listen, you have more power against the kingdom of darkness in your little finger than all the powers of darkness put together. Did you know, though, that does not scare the devil? That doesn't scare the devil. What scares the devil is that he's afraid one day you might figure that out. You might actually figure that out. You might actually become a son or daughter. You might actually start walking as a soldier of your identity. Praise God. You know, there's a reason people follow people with confidence. There's a lot of pseudo, or I should say false confidence that people put on in the world because it's built on flesh and personality. We've got to put our confidence in Jesus, and we begin to walk around in Jesus. We walk around in authority. We walk around with huge authority. Less of us, more of him, walking in identity. Man, I'll tell you what, you start figuring this stuff out, demons flee, healing manifests, things begin to happen because of what you realize. You are a free moral agent in this world. And as an agent in this world, you bring light into darkness. How many of you know God is not in control? A lot of people are like, oh, okay. It's true. God's not in control. Not of every little thing that happens. God's in control of what he's released into this world, and he's spoken things out, and he won't alter the thing that's come out of his mouth. He's given dominion of this world to mankind. He's made you have dominion of this world. He's given you authority in this world. And we think, oh, God, do something, do something, do something. He's like, nope, I'm waiting on you. Because he's empowered sons and daughters to stand up. And that's the reason so many people get offended with God. They get offended with God because when something goes wrong, they think, surely God should have done something. And the Lord's saying, surely you should have done something because I've empowered you. Now, is God the supreme being, all-knowing, all all-powerful? Yes, but he's limited himself by his word, and he won't alter the word that's gone out of his mouth or break his promises. So when he promises you and I something, he won't switch it around. As a matter of fact, it says in the Word of God that all the world is held together by the Word of His power. All things are. If He were to break the Word of His power by breaking one promise, the whole universe would come unraveled. Amen? Now, when we look at this, you start to understand, wait a second. There are rights I have that He's empowered me with through His Word. And when He's empowered me through His Word, that means I have the rights to become something more than I even think I can be. Right? So we start stepping into this, and God will begin to give you horsepower. It's an American term. I hope you understand that. It's horsepower means power. You know, like, yeah, floor the gas. You know, whoom, you know, horsepower. Praise God. Muscle cars, we call them, right? Thank you, Jesus. You got some pretty awesome cars here, man. You got, like, motorcycles, and that's horsepower. So we recognize this is that God really wants you to live, move, and have your being, guys. Now, what I want to say is if we're going to become soldiers of identity, 
We need to be those that love not our lives even unto the death. Do you know the early church used to fight with each other to who would die first? You ever study church history? Church history, when they'd bring Christians out into the arena and they'd bring lions out, they'd bring the lions out to feed Christians to the lions, they used to fight. The real believers would fight with their brothers and say, I'll go first. I'm going first. You aren't dying before me. And you say, wow, that's crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's powerful. But here's the reason that it's so, it's so dramatic for many people is because we see that through the carnality of our mind. We don't see it in our identity. When you're an identity, the impossible becomes just simple. When you're in your identity, you start acting like God. You start acting like Jesus. The righteous are as bold as a lion, and the wicked flee when no one pursues. Right? So one of the jobs of the prophet, one of the jobs of prophetic people, is to begin to show you how to engage that part of your life. It says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish, or the people cast off restraint, right? Where there is no vision, the Hebrew word for vision, right? It says where there is no vision, or where there is no, as it says in the New King James, revelation, the people cast off restraint. And specifically, in the Word of God, that word revelation is talking about prophetic insight, It's talking about supernatural prophetic sight. It's talking about a now word from God. Where there is no revelation, the people, they perish, they cast off restraint, they don't know where they're going. And you need leaders to speak it to you so you then can walk in it yourself. Amen? You don't always have to come to run to the prophet to get a word. You can get a word from God. Amen? It's no different than you don't always have to come to the the pastor to hear a teaching every day. You can go to the Word of God. You come there to get confirmation and empowered and strengthened, and you'll hear something. It's so funny to me when people say, a prophet should never tell you something you didn't know. It should only be confirmation, only confirmation, spoken like people that are not prophetic, amen? And, and the, the truth is, if that's the case, then what about the, the, the leader of the army, what was it, Naaman, that had to go dip seven times? Well, if the prophet was just supposed to confirm it, how did he end up going dipping seven times? Why didn't he just know that? Dun, 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 right? So we realize this. We, we got to come to the understanding that if we're, if we're going to do some of these things, we realize that there are a mostly confirmation, but sometimes prophets will tell you things that you need to pray about. But one of the number one ways you can judge prophecy is first in the mouth of two or three witnesses, Let every word be established. You go to the word of God. And then also, you make sure it lines up with Scripture. It's just got to line up with Scripture. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, you throw it away. Right? Paul the Apostle said, even if an angel stood in front of me and said something different than Jesus is Lord or preaching the gospel, I know he'd basically rebuke that angel. I think that's awesome. That's real authority. And we've got to be very careful what we're listening to today. Amen. If the messages you hear do not point you back to Jesus, I don't care about how dazzling gifting is. The message must point you back to Jesus. It must stir your heart for Jesus. You'll find yourself growing in discipleship with Jesus. You'll find yourself wanting the word of God more. I've I've mentored a lot of young prophetic people, a lot of them. And and sometimes they say, you know, I really don't need the word of God. I really don't need the word of God. And then I tell them, well, you're weird. You're a goofball. You're flaky, you know, or worse, you're in rebellion. Praise God. Nothing like prophets talking to people that think they're prophets. Amen? 
and we need to tell people, hey, you need the word of God, you know, because some of your revelations, guys, I've had revelation stuff that some people would freak out over, and some of you probably have too. I've had entities appear in my room. I've had things try to talk to me. I've had things happen. You know, but it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, learn from us, Paul and Barnabas, I believe, or Apollos, said, learn from us to not go beyond what is written. That means this, whatever experience you have, I don't care if I had somebody saying, hey, grandma appeared to me and grandma's dead. Grandma appeared in our room and was talking to me. I said, you ought to rebuke grandma. That ain't grandma. Who you going to call, right? I mean, that's like, that's like, you don't want to do that. Praise God. <laughs> you know, I ain't afraid of no grandma, you know. And, and so, you <laughs> and so, <laughs> okay, Pastor Tafar, you want to take it from here? No, just, and so, <laughs> we, but we realize, <laughs> but we realize this, though, is that you begin, <laughs> you begin to recognize, <laughs> thank you, G. God has a good sense of humor. Praise God. I think, that, I think he had a good sense of humor, and he said, Joseph, I'm going to call you to preach. I was like, oh, good one, God. And so, but we realize this, that people have encounters with things. They have encounters with darkness, and sometimes we're trying to interpret what the darkness is doing. Who cares what they're doing? Praise God. I like the story of Lester Sumrall, where one time he was on a missions trip. He's traveling, he's preaching, and all of a sudden these demons attacked him in his room. He's in bed, and the bed's sliding around the floor, and his dressers are moving around in the room. And uh, all of a sudden he sat up in bed. Now, Lester's kind of mean. He was kind of mean, Denzel. He was a mean guy towards darkness, towards the kingdom of darkness. He sits up in bed, and he's flying around the room in his bed, and these demons are pushing his stuff around. Lester sits up in bed, and he's like, hey! I bind you. Get out of here in Jesus' name. And everything stopped. And it was, it was dead silent. He gets up out of bed. He looks around his room, and it's a disaster. He's like, Ugh. And he walked to his door and looked out down the road. And these demons, he could see them going. He said, hey, get back here. And he's like, put it all back. Right? That's Jesus, man. See, you begin to recognize that. People think demons have all this power. But when you begin to recognize you're a soldier of identity, you have a physical body, you see things. Look at this. People are like, oh, no, no, no. There's power in darkness. They can make things float. Look at that. Demons make things float. It's so scary and terrifying and horrifying. They can make things float. See this? Like demons making this pen float, this marker float. You know, they, they say that. Demons have power because they can do these things. Guys, check this out, though. Watch this. Look what I can do. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, so this is really something, huh? Big deal. God, you begin to recognize that God has the real power on this earth. He's given mankind power. And we step in authority. How many of you know Adam gave up his authority to the devil? That's why you see the book of Job. Job was in a, in a very difficult scenario, not because God was trying to punish Job, but because the devil had Adam's authority. That's why after the devil had been thrown out of heaven, suddenly he presents himself with the sons of God in Job chapter 1. He's been thrown out. Why is he there? Because he's there with the authority that walked with God in the cool of the day. He's standing there in Adam's authority, Right? He's in Adam's authority, and then, and then he began to take dominion and all that. And you, you have to recognize that God was basically saying, you don't realize what you have, Lulu. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you recognize this. What began to happen then? All of a sudden in the New Testament, who showed up? The last Adam. The last Adam. 
Jesus shows up on the scene, Adam lost it in a physical body. He lost it in a physical body. He gave up his authority on this planet through his physical body to a spirit. Right? Jesus shows up as the last Adam. He's the last Adam. Not the second Adam, the last Adam. There was no other plan. There wasn't like plan C. Right? He shows up and he's the last Adam. And I think the devil must have been horrified when he saw God show up in an earth suit. You know why? Because you need a physical body to do good or evil and lead spiritually, spiritually good or evil in this world. Without a physical body, no spiritual forces can do anything in the natural world, God or the devil. Why do you think Jesus had to call himself the Son of Man? The Son of God and the Son of Man. He had to come in that authority. So he came as a man. Can you just imagine it? The first time Jesus, the first time Jesus ran into some demons. Can you imagine that? Nobody had ever cast out a demon before. David played the harp and sent them away, but he didn't bind them and cast them out. They came right back, right? Nobody had ever cast out a demon before. That was foreign. And here's Jesus. He shows up. And on the outside, people are singing the choir music when Jesus showed up. And Jesus is like, right? He just shows up. That's what people saw on the outside. But on the inside, to the kingdom of darkness, when they looked in his eyes and they saw the consuming fire, the flame of God, our God, the consuming fire, the great God, Jehovah, the lion from the tribe of Judah, I don't think they were hearing choir music. I think demonic forces were like hearing death metal. And Jesus is like, how you like me now? How you like me now? Jesus is looking at me. He's like, guess what I got? I got a body, an earth suit. What do you got, punks? Right? Right? He's looking at them, and they're like, not fair. Not fair. You're supposed to be in heaven. What are you doing in a body? Can you imagine the terror he brought to them? Now, what does the Bible say, though? The Bible says he was the firstborn among many brethren. Another way of saying it is Jesus is our prototype. Meaning he's what we're supposed to be. So when you see Jesus walking in, his presence demanded an explanation. It demanded an explanation. Everywhere he went, I mean, people either, yeah, he ruined parties all the time, Pastor Tafara. You know he did. He came in, there's a funeral going by. Ah, oh, they're no, no longer dead. They're awake, you know. Man, somebody's, oh, there's a leper. Not a leper anymore. They were in a pity party. Now they're healed, you know. That's Jesus. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's our God. But that's who we're supposed to be, soldiers of identity in the devil's whole fight. The devil decided he couldn't beat the church. So you know what he did? He couldn't beat the church, so he joined it. See this? Let's say this represents the body of Christ. He couldn't beat it, so he said, you know what? I'm going to join it. I'm going to get them arguing over, do we sprinkle, do we dunk, do we speak in tongues, do we not, do we do this, do we do that? And he began to denominize the nation. He denominized the nation. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of this. I'm of Cephas. You know, all that. And only one person are we supposed to be of, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, we got to rally together around Jesus. And in, in the Word of God, that kind of looks like a pizza. That's like a Christian pizza. Amen? So you recognize this. Is, is you begin to see that, that God has called us to, to do great things according to His Word and I'm messing this up. That's an hourglass. Let's just call this the revelation of time. 
Amen? And what are we going to do? We're going to go forward and do all God's marked us to do. We're going to step into all what God's called us to do. Now, another thing, let me draw another thing for you. In the revelation of time and what we have to do, let me show you this. We are in a timeline right now. I'm going to draw this quickly. Let's say this represents eternity past, okay? Eternity past, eternity future, right? Everybody see this? We're in a timeline right now. We recognize that we were in the Old Testament during this period of time. Old Testament, along came the cross. Jesus died, was resurrected for us. We are now, after this death and resurrection, living in the age of grace, Okay? Then after that, of course, depending on your end time doctrine or eschatology, they would call it, uh, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Some people believe that. Some people don't. I just read the Bible. You realize this, that all of a sudden it'll be three and a half years, two times, three and a half, right? You see that mess that happens there? Then I believe that we uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, I'll just write supper up here. And you begin to realize that then we're going to return with the Lord. I believe that's when we're going to have the battle of Armageddon. And I'm just kind of writing this down real quick, right? Then you begin to see that during this time, this is when the devil is going to be thrown into uh, the pit, right? And uh, the, the beast and the false prophet, they don't go in the pit. They go to another place that's less happy. They go to a place <laughs> called uh, the, the Lake of Fire, Right? They go to a place called the Lake of Fire, which consequently I think could be a star or something like that. Do you ever hear the people that say hell's not going to last forever? Do you ever hear people say that? There is no hell. There's none of this stuff. And people say, well, hell's not forever. Well, they're correct because the Bible says hell or the pit will be thrown into the Lake of Fire, the second death. So they're correct. It'll just keep on burning. That's a serious topic. Yeah. So anyway, so you realize this, this happens. Then after Armageddon, all that happens. Then there's going to be the thousand-year reign, right? The millennial reign. Consequently, that's why so many people want to be superheroes in movies and stuff. is because we're all going to have glorified bodies. There's going to be two types of people on the earth. People that believe Jesus, went up, had the marriage supper come back. They're in the thousand-year reign with Jesus. They're, they're walking things out. And the next thing you know is uh, they'll be on the earth, and we'll have glorified bodies like him. It says, because when we see him... In the air, we will be like him, for we'll see him as he is. Not as he was, as he is. And Jesus had a glorified body. I believe that's what we'll be walking in in the thousand-year reign. Now, during this time, there will be earth dwellers or normal people on the earth still. So we'll be superheroes. Mama, do you see that man walk through the wall? What do you need, child? Right? (laughs) It's true. And so you recognize this, and then at the end of this, the devil will come back out of the pit. He'll start some, some trouble again, and this time God won't even make anybody fight, but God will send fire down from heaven, and he will consume the devil himself. I call that the epic battle of God. And you begin to recognize that, then he'll begin to do the great white throne judgment, and all these people will be standing before him by the millions and billions. And then, of course, the Bema judgment will be a different judgment than the great white throne. He will love us all, and then the heaven and the earth, the new heaven and the new earth will come down. We are not made to live in heaven. We're made to live on the new earth. Okay? Now, saying all this drama, after this gets thrown in here, all this begins to happen. We realize right now we're probably right here. Now, why is this important? It's important because let's just talk about it this way. Let's expand this for a moment. I don't know if you can see it. But let's say that we all have 100 years or 120, according to Kenneth Copeland. Amen. Now, you realize this. 100 years is what we have. 
And wherever you are in your life, wherever you may be, today's the day you need to decide where you're going to fit into all this. It's not good enough just to be a believer. You need to become a son or daughter of the living God, which means you start knowing your identity. You start just walking in your identity. You start figuring things out, and you realize, my goodness, this means I need to become a soldier of identity to walk up my life and make an impact on all this. Yeah? So that's important about that. Now, we realize something that God's called all of us to do. He's called all of us to literally step into the high call of God. Let me say something. Let me back up from this for a moment and go into the word here. And let's talk about this because we're going to minister to people tonight. And I believe God's going to greatly impact you through this. Let me say this. Mature believers realize something. You begin to realize something. If something is small, men will fight. If something is big, men unite. I'll say it another way. Small men and women, they fight. They squabble. They get upset about everything. They fight over what they should vote on in the church. Do you know voting's not in the Bible? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like, did, did, God, did God walk in front of all the children of Israel and be like, hey, you all want Moses to be your leader? How do you feel about that? By a showing of hands, how many of you want Moses, you know, and all that? Well, here's Joshua. Here comes Joshua. How do you all feel about Joshua being your leader? Right? That's not in the Bible. It's not voting and all that stuff. They got the Holy Ghost and they quit casting lots. Okay? So we recognize things about this. We realize this understanding is very clear. If small men fight, when you see people that are always offended with other brothers and sisters, there's always something going on. They're small. They're small. And they need to expand to maturity. Mature people unite. They unite. Praise God. It's strong stuff. If you're fighting with somebody right now, stop. Just tell them you win. You're so right. That's all they want to hear anyway. Do you think people argue to hear you? When people argue, do they argue to hear you? Oh, that was a great point. I didn't see that coming. Magnificent point, my enemy. People argue to win. Just shock somebody and be like, oh, you're amazing. <laughs> they won't know what to do. I've sat in meetings before, and people are just, like, trying to put a stake through my heart. And I'm like, nice steak. And they're like, you know. Anyway, praise the Lord. Okay, whatever. Too much. Praise the Lord. Okay. So you recognize this. Now, let's take a look at this very quickly. We realize something. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to get back on prophecy for a moment and what we want to talk about. And we got onto this last night a little bit. I'm going to give you this scripture, and we're going to jump in just for a little bit. Then we're going to minister tonight. You realize this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. Uh, let's, yeah, let's stay with verse 1. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love. Let me talk about love just for a second. Leave the scripture up, please, gentlemen. You realize, though I have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Love is not some emotional thing. Love is maturity as a son and daughter in your identity. Love is literally the currency of soldiers of identity. And that means that you just know who you are. It means you can love people because you know how loved you are right? 
if we're going to move in the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to move in the prophetic, we're going to move in healing, we're going to see these powerful gifts take off, we've got to have our foundation right. Otherwise, it'll be moved along by every wind of doctrine. The next thing you know, the next powerful voice that comes into town that can wave their hand and, and pigeons come out of their sleeve or whatever happens, people see that and they, they literally are, are, are overwhelmed because they have the wow factor. People that are astonished by miracles are carnal. I was in a meeting one time. I, I had a, a friend I used to minister with named Dave Duell. Him and Andrew Womack used to preach together for like 20 years. They preached together everywhere. And Dave Duell and I ministered all over the nations for the last few years of his life. And one time I was in a meeting, and he moved in very strong, strong signs and wonders and miracles, really profound ones. As a matter of fact, one time he, uh, he used to do things that were kind of out of the box to Farah. He'd, he'd like, you know, like hit people and stuff. And I'd be like, dude, you know, like watch it, you know. And he, he'd be like, give him this thing. He, call, he called it shooting him with his hand. He'd be like, yeah, it's the Holy Ghost, son. And people fall on the ground. And it was like, what's happening, you know. But he would do these kind of things. But I'll never forget one time a miracle happened where somebody fell on the ground and their leg was twisted and short. And it was really short. Not kind of like, hey, sit down, I'll tap your heels. And look, it, it kind of looked like a miracle. Amen, you know. This person. <laughs> Everybody okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Anybody ever do a courtesy drop in meetings? Oh, Jesus. You know, no, okay. So, so anyway. And so. And I believe in the power of God. I've had the power of God knock me to the ground so many times. I'm going to get into that. And forgive me for making, you know, jokes about some things because some of it's just hilarious, you know. And so, so Dave's praying for this guy, and one leg's really short. He prays over this guy's leg, and the leg must have grown four to five inches, okay? I'm talking like the, the, the pant leg's going up and his leg's coming out of the, the, the pant cuff. Okay, growing, and I'm watching this happen, and people were applauding because a lot of times people say, do you have the headache anymore? No, it's gone. Praise the Lord, another miracle. And, but this here was so visibly evident that even myself, I was shocked. I was shocked. I'm watching it happen, and this leg grows out, and it stops at the even leg, length of the other one, and this guy is stunned. Like, I'm really healed. Like, I'm not pretending I'm healed. Like he, he was like having like a meltdown almost over it. And people began to clap. They, were, they, they actually gasped. <gasps> and then they started clapping frantically and screaming wild praises, right? And in the middle of that, the Lord said, do you know why they're screaming and shouting so loudly? I said, why? He said, because of their unbelief. It's their unbelief that says, oh, that's impossible. That's impossible. And all that. And the church shouldn't be acting like that unbelievers should. We should do miracles in front of them, and they should scream loudly, and we go, amen, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. You know, but in the church, people that, that do that, it's full of their unbelief. And so this happened, and the Lord began to speak to me about this, and it's a powerful deal. Love is when you begin to step into an area where you're not in unbelief. You know your identity. As it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Let's go to verse 2. I wanted to get here last night, and I couldn't, so I can tonight, praise God. It says, and though I have the gift of prophecy. Everybody say, the gift of prophecy. Look, it doesn't say a prophet. You see that? It doesn't say the gift of the prophet or the office of the prophet. It says, though I have the gift of prophecy. And a lot of people that have the gift of prophecy are mistaken as prophets. 
And it goes on to define it, basically. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. But the point I wanted to make is that if you have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, mysteries. Now listen, there's a carnal reason that people get into mysteries. I need to hit on this for a second. The Holy Ghost wants me to. Listen to me. Perk up your ears and look at me with your eyes. This is going to be amazing. You realize this is that many times people get so caught up in wanting to know the deeper things of God that they miss the truth of your authority. You understand? Sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to know all the mysteries and all these things instead of just being who we're supposed to be and letting those things catch up to us. That's why there's so many Christian conspiracy theorists. And sometimes conspiracies are right. I mean, they're right. You see conspiracy. I was in a meeting uh, at Karis Christian Center in Colorado Springs just uh, like a year ago or something. I stood up and I'm preaching, and I started to talk about the Holy Spirit. said, draw a circle on the board and say, do not say a conspiracy. And I started to draw this circle, and I started circling it like this. I said, it's circular. Round and round we go. No conspiracy. And somebody manifested a demon and ran to the front and said, no, you can't say that. And they literally, they, they rushed the stage on me. If you haven't been rushed on the stage, you might not really be, I don't know, you need to check it out sometime. It's an, it's an invigorating experience. I've had that happen multiple times in my ministry where people are like, how dare you? And they, they run for the mic, and, you know, and then I just put my hand in their face. I'm kidding, I don't do that at all. But, but you realize that God's doing that. So we recognize something about it, though, is that it says that I have the gift of prophecy. Everybody say the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy sometimes can function without the anointing. I was talking to you yesterday about this. Let me draw something here very quickly for you. Uh, Yesterday about this, about sometimes there's things called mentalism and this kind of stuff. Mentalists or people that can read uh, people really well, and it's actually accurate. That's the scary part. And this is something that we've got to really watch for. There's times I say things that are very, very clear and very, very powerful for people, and the Holy Ghost uses that. But we've got to keep giving glory to Jesus, okay? Let me talk to you very quickly. Now, this is something I teach in the School of the Prophets, but I'm going to do it very quickly. Everybody hang with me. Let me show you something here. Let's say that this represents, can you guys see these lines okay? This represents uh, the middle of the road. We'll call this the gray area, okay? This is the gray area. Let's say that this represents darkness, This represents light, okay? The gray area is really the soulish area, Um, and I'll just write gray, all right? So we realize that sometimes when you're in the Holy Ghost and you begin to say, I want to see things better, I want to practice my gift and do things, if you're not truly being led by the Spirit of God, your soul can engage a gifting that God's not calling you to step into, And you can literally start to go in different capacities with this. And I believe it goes like this, 30, 60, and 100-fold, okay? And you'll begin to see it this way too, uh, 60 and 100-fold. That's a biblical number for growth and uh, multiplication and increase, right? So you begin to recognize that sometimes you can start out in the Holy Ghost, but people that get so enamored with gifting, they get so enamored with things, they begin to wander in the flesh, and they get more concerned about having amazing prophecies or amazing encounters than they do the Word of God, and they start to wander down this path of of diminishing the anointing on their life. 
The anointing meaning the presence of God. The purity of the Holy Ghost. And they substitute it for soulish feeling. Okay? The Bible calls this a false anointing. Okay? So you go through here and you begin to recognize that. Then you get into the gray area. Now, if you're in the gray area, this is where you're just trying to sort out what's God, what's you, what's the devil, what's darkness, all that. But some people, they keep pressing on so much that they want to have such an experience more than they want to know Jesus that you can actually break out of the gray area and end up in the area of darkness. And if you keep going, you can end up 30, 60, 100-fold in darkness. There's a guy named Nostradamus who did this years ago, okay? Different people like that. Now, I believe that if you repent of some of these things, of soulishness, of, of just trying to have an experience more than just know Jesus and the gospel and all that, I believe that you can make a, a U-turn, come back, and you can start to come back where you end up back with the Holy Ghost. You could do that in a moment where you repent and say, Jesus, I want you. I want you. God's not mad at you. None of that stuff. But this is very important. Now, a lot of people that are functioning at best in the gray area or in this dark area, honestly, they don't know because they're too successful to stop and check themselves. Sometimes the most glitzy type of ministry like this functions in here prophetically. Because it's more about pulling a bunny out of a hat and wowing people to get at pocketbooks than it is about just preaching the gospel. Is that strong? But it's true. And I say that with a lot of love in my heart. So listen to me. Gifting does not qualify people. You know what another sign of maturity is? Restraint. I'll say it to you this way. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. There's been times that I've, I see things, God shows me things about people all the time. And I say, Lord, do I, do I say something about that or do I not? No, it's just my gifting working. It's my gifting working. No different than you identifying the color on a wall. No different than you identifying something that's happening. No different than a person coming in and saying they know that this type of plumbing needs to be fixed or a dentist or your gifting works. And it doesn't mean you're going to do it right then. It just means sometimes, you know, sometimes your gift is awake and God is not even saying something to you, but your gift can discern things. Does that make sense? What does that mean? Nothing. I know that's profound. People are like, well, nothing. What do I do with it? Nothing. You, you begin to thank Jesus. You begin to worship God. And you realize sometimes when you sharpen your gift, you're going to see things. And then you learn to discern if the Lord's saying, execute, go do something. I need you to touch that situation. Maturity is the ones that can say no and park it. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Praise God. So does that make sense? Okay, that's a little bit of prophetic training for tonight. Praise God. So I want to give that to you. Now, when we're talking about this, we realize that prophets are highly called to mobilize the body. And when they mobilize the body, a prophetic gift astray will mobilize people to themselves. A prophetic gift gone astray will mobilize people to their own gain. But a prophetic gift that's New Testament gospel will speak the truth, but they're a servant of Jesus. And we point at Jesus. If somebody is not preaching Jesus, but they're preaching signs, wonders, and miracles all the time, and it's not about Jesus... That is a false prophet. Don't everybody shout me down tonight, praise the Lord. Some of you are like just quiet like, oh, maybe it's this guy here, huh? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Praise God. I believe this too. I believe that people are just people. I believe God gives us opportunities to repent and turn. I've dealt with people that, that literally were way out there with some gifting and different things and goofy. And I had to literally minister to them and love them and say, hey, come on. Come on. 
Are you in the word? Well, not really, you know, but you, you got to draw people with loving kindness, you know. And some people that are in pulpits should not be in pulpits. They just shouldn't. They shouldn't. And the church sometimes doesn't know the difference. And that's why God raises up real fivefold ministers to say things. He does. And we do it in love. Our job is to make sure the body is protected and growing and exalting Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I had a, a prophet come in one time. I'll tell you guys this story. Is it okay if I tell you a story? Story time with Uncle Z? Yeah. I, I, I had a prophet come in one time, and he said some accurate things to me about my children and when they'd be born. And the Holy Ghost said, that's accurate, but he's not, he's not a, a true person. His gift was accurate, but what he was doing was for manipulation. So he's using a gift for manipulation. That does not please God. God loves us, but I got to tell you, it says in, in, in Hebrews, if my righteous one shrinks back, my soul is not pleased. Shrinking back means you're not walking in your identity, you're acting like the world, you're doing those kind of things. God still loves you, but you're not blessing his soul when you do that, right? And so we recognize that this kind of thing began to happen, and the same gentleman came to a meeting one time, stood up a friend of mine, and I was preaching just like this, and began to berate this guy, like, like just began to tear into him, and it was accurate things he was saying, but he tore this man to shreds in my meeting. And I walked over, and I grabbed his hand, and I threw his hand down, and I said, take a seat. And he's like, how dare you? I said, you're out of order. I have the mic. Sit down. Everybody Okay. Let's see if we can do that tonight. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I don't want to do that, man. But I'll tell you. It's so, but there are times that we've got to stand up for the truth in the body, and we do it with love and sincerity. We really have to. If you're not tender when you're, when you're ministering to people, if you don't really care about the people you're ministering to, you don't have God's heart. You don't. You're just flashing a gift around. And it's, it's important, you know, that, that we understand this. And then we start winning. That's the gospel, guys. That's the gospel. We're servants. We're servants. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that was a good word that needed to be said. Everybody's good and edified. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. This is good. I see a business leader that's either in this meeting or coming to these meetings, and they're having two levels of, of increase. It's almost like somebody is going to give them something that's almost like an inheritance, or they begin to receive what belongs to them, or God is giving them favor to receive two, then three different levels of increase in their business works. I see God working this out with them, and the Lord is saying he's going to speak to this person and going to begin to raise them up so they can be a financial uh, a powerhouse in the body of Christ for their own significance and for the significance of the gospel. God's raising that up. You're going to start to see business people being raised up in this area, like mighty business people. I'm telling you, there is coming an economic change to this area. This church is a leader in that. This church is a leader in that. I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when you sow seed into Pastor Tafar, Pastor Chipo, and into this church, I'm telling you, you're going to get a mighty return. You just are. People are going to be jealous of this church. Uh, they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? But literally, it's like people are going to be jealous of this church, and they're going to look at you guys like, how come they're the rich church? Why do they have all that? Because you truly know who you are in Jesus, and you act like it, and then you begin to have a return. 
People that get upset about prosperity or that kind of talk. Now, I know there's abuses with it. I do know that, okay? But people that get upset about it usually are religious. Typically. You know? Or they've been abused by it. Right? And if you've been abused by that or prophecy or any other thing, first of all, I want to say to you personally, we're so sorry. Just sorry. We apologize. But please do not throw out what is good. Don't miss the good because of offense. And God wants to bring you forward. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I think pastor was just teaching this on Sunday. He said, you know, if you have a counterfeit, paper, uh, you know, $100 bill, counterfeit bill, you don't say, I'll never have a $100 bill again. You want many more $100 bills. If you find a counterfeit, you go, well, that's a counterfeit. You throw it away and you get another $100 bill. That's the same with the message of increase. God showed me something a while back that there was a, a canopy around the world. I had a vision of it. Canopy around the world. And the Lord said, no one has tapped into my resources yet. No one's done it. Guys like Jesse Duplantis, they, they've gotten pretty close. I love me some Jesse. And now i got to say something about it. God wants his church to increase. Did you know if every one of us prospered, to the level we're supposed to, and according to our faith, we'd be the number one superpower financially in the world, meaning the body of Christ, Christians. We'd all be, we'd, we'd make the rules, because we live by the golden rule. He who has all the gold makes all the rules. That's what we'd be doing. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Some people are getting free right now while I'm just standing here. I can feel it. Like, just things are breaking off people right now. It's just beginning. Thank you, Father. Oh, the goodness of God, the kindness of Jesus. I'll talk about that a little more, Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. This canopy I saw, I need to show this to you guys real quick. Let me draw this canopy for you. That's a good plan, brother. Keep playing. I like that. Amen. <laughs> Got a little bit of jazzy praise. I want to welcome you to the prophetic meeting tonight. How many of you need a miracle? Yeah. Right? That's so good, brother. So good. <laughs> oh, Jesus is awesome. I began to see this uh, canopy. Uh, I'll just call it a canopy. I use whiteboards and stuff a lot because it's hard to describe the things I see, so I just try to write them out. I began to see this, and then the Lord also spoke to me about, about this, and I'll, I'll deal with this more later this week, but uh, began to show me this, this area, um, the veil. This is the veil. And it's between the natural and the supernatural in the earth. But this canopy, you recognize, is like when the days of Noah, right? When the flood hit the earth. And remember it says that the, the, the heavens broke open and a great canopy opened and the water came there and bust out from the deep. The Lord showed me that there's a canopy, so to speak, symbolically. I don't believe literally, but symbolically a canopy that's there that I believe that is full of God's wealth. The storehouses of heaven. <clears throat> right? And we realize it says that out of Malachi. Chapter 3, which so many pastors use every Sunday. It says, you'd be cursed with a curse if you don't give to me, right? 
And now we realize this, though. Jesus said in Galatians chapter 3, he's redeemed us from the curse, so there is no curse. Okay? But we recognize this. Malachi chapter 3 says, test me now in this, if I will not pour out from the windows or the storehouses of heaven, so much so that it overflows too much for you. Okay? In other words, you won't have room enough to contain it. The Lord told me, Joseph, if you're obedient, move to Colorado like I told you to back a few years ago. He said, I will bless you superfluously. This means that there is a superfluous overflow. Superfluous means more than enough. It means unnecessary overflow. If the, the picture I get is if you're holding a glass and I were to pour water or, or juice into your glass and I begin to pour it and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's at the top, it's at the top. You're like, I'm good. And it just keeps pouring. All of a sudden it hits the table, it gets on your clothes, it's going across the floor and you just keep pouring. That's superfluous. That's overflow. That's the God of too much. And now people, if you can start to believe this way and you believe the word of God, God is saying out of Malachi, there will not be room enough to contain what I'll give you. And this is talking about the canopy that's over the earth. And I believe this, I believe through radical giving, radical sowing, and I'm not talking about foolish or crazy stuff. I'm talking about you get a word from God and you obey that and you obey the word of God. You mix your faith with the word of God. You don't just do something presumptuously. But Heather and I, the Lord told me at the beginning of this year, he said, Joseph, I need you to preach on this because I'm going to bring wild increase to my people. Pastor Tafara is an agent of wild increase. And when I began to, to see this, the Lord just showed me that as it broke through, it would come on the earth. And this is one of the ways, and I could teach on this from Isaiah 60, Isaiah 61, um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and the whole chapter really all ties into this. Maybe I'll teach that sometime this week. You'll be very blessed by it. But what I'm saying is, is that if we begin to believe this, this is how we're going to begin to finance the gospel going around the world. God needs you in his economy, not a better budgeting system. And we need to budget. Amen. We need to budget. But he needs us in a better economy. His economy. His economy. And his economy is too much. It's too much. It's overflow. It's over the top. And God wants that for you and your children. He really does. And if every one of us gets this, this is not just for an individual. This is for a corporate breakthrough where everybody is eating off the top of the barrel. Why? Because then you move from wants, or you move from uh, needs to wants. You step into a want anointing. God, I want to do this for you. Remember when David wanted to build God the temple, and God said, no, 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 no. That's what you want to do? I'll stop you there. Here's what I want to do. I'll build you a house, David. That's Pastor Tafara, by the way. So, Lord, show me about him. This is good, you guys. This is good. Thank you, Father. I was in a Creflo Dollar meeting a few years ago. Well, well over a decade ago. I'm in this meeting, and Heather and I have this agreement that if we're going to give or sow or something, we don't even ask each other. We just do it. If God speaks to one of us, we don't care. So at the beginning of this year, I had to do something. But in that meeting, we, uh, Heather jumped up, had a word from God, and ran down to Creflo's podium, thousands of people in this church, and slapped her check on his podium while he's preaching. Dr. Dollar. And I'm like... And I thought the security was going to take her down. She's not very big, you know. And, and I saw her going up the stairs to Creflo's podium. And I'm looking for her. Up, uh, I'm in a balcony area, and I'm looking for her. I'm like, where'd you go? I see her going up to the Creflo's podium. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, they're going to take you down, honey. You're going down, and there's nothing I can do about it. They had the secret service there, you know. And, and so, 
But it was great. And so it was a good time. But, and then just recently, at the beginning of the year, the Lord told me, preach this, preach this. And the Lord said, I want you to preach it, but first you've got to do what I ask you to do. I said, yes, sir. We emptied every bank account we had into the gospel to the last penny, our personal bank accounts, emptied them. Now, I'm not saying you do that, okay? You do what God tells you to do, amen? You'd be like, yeah, Joseph Z told me empty my bank account. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay? So I, um, I did that, and literally within a month of doing that, our ministry tripled in 30 days. Pastor Lawson got a hold of me. He's like, Joseph, come here. Joseph, come here. Come here. You, know, Pastor, you guys know my Pastor Lawson, Purdue? Uh, he's, he's just awesome. He said, come over here. God told me I'm supposed to, Barbara told me I'm supposed to lay hands on you and you're going to have increase. I said, okay, Pastor. He grabs me by the neck. In the name of Jesus. And I'm like, ah! And I fell on the floor. <laughs> and within, within a week, stuff just started doubling and tripling. Things started happening at an unprecedented rate. And I got to tell you, it's been powerful. It's been powerful. Our ministry is taking off. God wants to do that in your life. God wants to do that in this church. It's important, you guys. It's important. And so the Lord said, if you want to preach it, Joseph, you have to live it beyond what you're preaching. I know your pastors are like that. And so we decided to live it beyond what we were preaching so I could say it at 50% of what we're doing. Is that cool? That's how it should be. People want to preach this stuff. They better be living it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Thank you, Father. This is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and just put your hand on the person next to you. Just put it next to you. Look to the person to your right. You don't have to look right at them, but just look to the right, to the person to your right, lay hands on them, and say, you're blessed. Now reach over to the person on your left and do the same thing. Come on, over to the left. You're blessed. Thank you, Jesus. God's beginning to touch people in this place right now. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Woman of God here in the pattern dress right here. Um, You're right here, yes. God's called you. God's marked you. I see you have, have had a voice to people that travel near and far. I see you've had a voice to people in foreign lands. I see that you have traveled yourself. And I see that God has put things in your life and in your heart that he's wanting to bring forward. You have a heart of a mentor. You have a heart of a teacher. You have a heart of clarity. And you begin to bring things out with itemization and organization and put it into people's lives that way. And God is saying over your life that he loves you. And he's working out even this difficulty in front of you right now. There's a difficulty facing you. And the Lord literally is saying, ha, ha, ha. Ha, it will break through for you. You're going to come to the other side. (laughs) And the spirit of Jesus is saying, I love her. She's been faithful to me. She's been faithful in all these areas. The last 13 years has been years filled with obedience and running the path of his commands. You've been running the path of his commands for 13 years. In this next year, this 2020, but 2021, there's going to be a pivot and a revolution to your walk. You're going to start walking in a fresh and living way where God's bringing you victory and beginning to open the eyes of your understanding to a new avenue, something you didn't think you could have again. And it's up to you if you want it or not. Okay. And the Lord says yes. I hear the Lord saying yes. Strongly. (laughs) And it's simple with that. And sometimes we lose an anointing, not by our own doing but by something that's just a loss. 
And the Lord says he will redeem those former days. You'll have memories of things that this will outdo. And I bless you in Jesus' name. God's going to redeem not only that, but your legacy, your family, all those things through this. And he's going to restore the years the locust tried to devour. Yeah, praise God. So uh, write it down what you want, what it looks like. And God's going to do that for you. It's almost like he's going to bring you a knight in shining armor. He is. It's true. He's going to begin to do that, you know? You know, many of us, praise God. Oh, I feel a strong anointing right now. Spirit of Jesus. You'll be to that picture, prime rib. I bless you in Jesus' name. The hand of God is on your life. It's good. I bless you in Jesus' name. The Lord hears, the Lord knows, and the Lord sees. And he is pleased with you. I bless you. Amen. Praise you, Father. Oh, I thank you, Lord. You're so good to us, God. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) This is great. Something about gold mines. What's this about gold mines? Somebody's into gold. Thank you, Jesus. God's working that process out. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to put your affection on Jesus here. Just seeking the Lord. I'm here to serve you guys. You say, Brother Joseph, can you miss it? Yes, I can. But what I do is I just trust Jesus, and I try to give you the best clarity I can for what God's speaking to me. Praise God. God wants you to win more than you do. He's way committed to it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The mighty one of Israel. The mighty one of Israel. Brother, you're an anointed piano player. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Uh, woman of God here, the striped dress right here. Yes. God is just literally beginning to liberate you of some things also. Some, um, what's the right word for that, Jesus? God's beginning to give you the desires of your heart. There have been things that you've waited for, you've tried to hold on to. And I just see a lot of these things that kind of fell through your hands. And God's working out that process. It's a restoration anointing around you. A strength to go forward. A strength to do things. I see you sitting and eating. I don't know what this is about, but I see you sitting and eating, and good news comes to you. And as you're eating, this good news comes to you, and it's almost like, I'm overjoyed. It almost gives you tears, and it's filled with joy. And the Lord says, though sorrow lasts for the night, joy comes in the morning. And it's going to be well in your house and well in your calling. I see a a job and career opportunity that's going to come your way. It's going to be a pivot from what's happened. There's going to be a pivot in this job and career opportunity. And God's literally going to answer that because you've prayed and others have prayed. And he says, I've heard these prayers and I'm answering that. And it shall be well with you. 
it shall be well with you. I see you on an airplane. I don't know why I see you on an airplane. But I see this airplane, and I see things happening, and I don't know where this information's coming or when, but I see something about travel with you, and it'll be a good moment in that time. And I bless you in Jesus' name. God is good. Oh, if we knew how much Jesus loved us, man, we'd never be depressed again. You know, my wife, Heather, she broke her neck, and she went to heaven. She literally did. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, I was just there. One day I was just in glory. You know, and it's like, sure you were. And uh, and a lot of people probably have had it happen. But, you know, sometimes in my travels, every fourth pastor I meet has been to heaven like six times. You know, it's, I, don't, I just, maybe, maybe I'm sarcastic about it, but sometimes I'm just like, really, dude? And they're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just what it is, you know. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, and so, but... <laughs> But the truth is, is Heather actually did. She broke her neck in a gymnastics accident, and she and I have shared some very deep conversations about her encounters with God Almighty, not just Jesus, with God. And she was there, and um, she said, you travel at the speed of thought. The vegetation's amazing. There's all these things that happen, and I had to come back, and the Lord told her what she'd be doing with her life. And, and she didn't want to leave, and he said, you got to go. He said, she said, I don't want to go. And people were praying, and she came back. She broke her neck. And so she, the same one that an actor from the U.S. named Christopher Reeves broke. He broke his neck and, you know, and all that. She broke the same exact spot. And she was healed of it within a month after it. Just a soft collar. Yeah, it's amazing. And, yeah. But, but there's power with this, guys. If we really knew what awaited us, if we really knew what was in the realm of the Spirit, if we really knew some of these things, we'd walk a lot stronger in Jesus' name. Praise God. Man of God back here with the red shirt, and I think there's gold on it, in Jesus' name. I speak to you. The Lord says you have a political anointing on your life. I sense things with politics on you. You have a mind for political understanding. You're able to actually rightly understand some things in politics, and God's going to arrange you, begin to put that. You are a highly intelligent young man, and there's been times that you felt very much the opposite to what I'm saying. And the Lord is saying to you, I've put intelligence in you, but more importantly, I've put my voice inside you. People are going to be shocked at what comes out of you over the next 15 years. And the strength that I've put inside you to stand up and be a mouthpiece for truth, a stand up for a, the mouthpiece, you are what I call a young lion. The Lord has marked young lions, and God's called you a young lion. And the strength of God that's inside you, you carry an excellent spirit, but God's going to put more steel into your spine to stand up for what you believe in and to do it with clarity. Not meanness, not angriness, not over-responding, but you're going to stand up with accuracy versus just anger or something. And God's working that out on you right now. Sometimes there's been areas of what we call kind of a chicken spirit, or you've, you've had areas where you've been intimidated, and the Lord's healing that right now, where there won't be intimidation, but there'll be strength and, and uh, the ability to confront opposition like the Holy Ghost would. And God's giving you that ability right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. It's almost like the Lord's saying to you, Abram, come out from among them. You've got to come out from among them. It's like you're Abram, and he's saying you're going to leave Ur of the Chaldees and do what I've called you to do. And you've got to look at bigger vision, man of God. God's calling you to look at bigger things and experience bigger things. You're God's man. You're a marked man. Amen. Praise God. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. This young man right here in the white polo has a preaching anointing on his life. 
God's called him to preach. God's called him to speak things out. God's began to say, um, uh, he's going to declare and decree. The Lord says, you have an excellent spirit, young man. You're called by God. You're marked by God. You carry an excellent spirit on your life. And that excellent spirit's going to be teaching and preaching and bringing the truth. You need to hang around this pastor as much as you can. Sit there and take notes and, and get good at it. Because God's calling you to do some things. I see you shaking things by the preaching of the word. It's going to be powerful, sir. You're God's man, and he won't share you with another. He won't share you. Thank you, Jesus. That's good. He's got a, he's got a real sensitivity and a mercy gift, like very merciful, and things that God's working through him with mercy. But God's going to take that mercy, turn it into a form of empathy to know how to reach people. It's very good. You're God's man. You're God's man, sir. Thank you, Jesus. I like that guy. I like that boy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Brother, you're like Simon Peter. You're a little like Simon Peter. You're like, God, if you tell me to do it, I'll get out of the boat. I'll get out of the boat right now. I mean, and God's called you. You're a marked man. You go after things. You do what God tells you to do. And sometimes there's been areas of, God, do I do this? Do I do this? Do I do this? And it's almost been confusion and trying to figure things out. And don't worry about all the things you don't know. Focus on what you do know and let God add to it. And God's going to begin to bring clarity through this season for you. You've been seeking the Lord. You've been walking some things out. And the Lord is saying, calm down and just believe you've already heard the answer. And in that's going to come your victory. And I see the Lord giving you an opportunity to work for another setting, to work for... Um, uh, something that you would really enjoy. I see you just enjoying stepping into like almost an entity that you would work with. And God's giving you favor there. And God's giving you uh, uh, just literally like he's going to put you to the front of the line when other people are more qualified. They have more ability. And the Lord says, yeah, but I choose you. And he's going to give you this opportunity to come forward. Thank you, Jesus. Sir, when I look at you, I also see this, okay? So you know how Peter picked up the sword and cut the guy's ear off? I see some of that in the tank with you, like not, not in a negative way. I'm not trying to say something negative, but I see you actually, there's times where you just act on things, you know, and you, you act soon. So listen to me, please think things through, listen to the voice of God, and God will give you great favor. You actually have an entrepreneurial gift inside you, and God's going to continue to advance that. And, and I, saw, um, I saw somebody try to take advantage of you some season ago. They took advantage of your kindness. They took advantage of a lot of these things. And that's happened more than once, believe me, with you. But the Lord is saying very clearly that he's going to begin to strengthen things. This is what I sense the Holy Ghost saying. He's going to strengthen things for you. And you're going to begin to move in an entrepreneurial anointing where you can begin to do what you want to do. And then I see you on the water, too. Why do I see you on the water? It's like you're going to be on the water and the Lord will say, I've been with you every step of the way. And these words will come back to you. And you're going to say, God's true. I'm on the water and it all worked out. I've been with you every step of the way. Amen. God bless you, sir. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. I remember before I met my wife, uh, a scary prophet called me out. There's a few thousand people in this meeting, and he called me out, and I was wearing this iron cross, Pastor Tafara, and he said to me, he's like, he's like, young man with the iron cross, stand up. I'm like, oh, God, help me, Jesus. You know, and, and so I thought, he's going to tell all my sins to the world. You know? And you know, people have asked me that. I'm going to tell you about that story in a second. People have asked me that. They say, uh, prophet, can you see, can you see sin? And the answer is, yes. 
And I've had people say to me, well, why don't you just call it out? Get in that meeting and call that sin out. And I like to say to those people, well, that's a good idea. Let's start with you. Right? And then they usually change their tune. So, but the truth is, that's not what Jesus did. Now, if somebody's in something that's going to destroy them, and it's, it's a warning, and God says, I need you to rescue them, say this to them, I will. I will. But, you know, we all should be too busy keeping ourselves in check, uh, walking with Jesus, doing our own stuff, to worry about all of our brothers and sisters. We just preach the gospel and love each other. And if something needs to be corrected, it should be corrected, but not always publicly. Amen? Amen? Now, some of you, uh, some of you, you're not bad. You're worse. You're a mess. But Jesus loves you as a mess. And he's not saying, let's point out the mess. He's saying, let's point out the answer. Is that right? Isn't God gracious? He just loves us so much. Thank you, Jesus. And so this guy calls me out in this meeting. And he looks at me, and he's like, he said, young man with Aaron Cross, you're going to do this, this, and this. But he prophesied in detail who my wife was going to be. And it was her. He didn't say her name or this or that, but he told me everything about her. And then I met another prophet that told me straight away. He said, your wife, you're going to meet her, and then you're going to decide to marry her, and it'll be 7 o'clock in the evening, and it'll be raining. And when I went to go propose to her, it started raining. I was like, Jesus, you know me. (laughs) Right? It's powerful stuff. I believe God's going to do that. There's going to be an anointing this week for unions. I feel it all over the house. A restoration of marriage, a restoration of spouses who have died or have left. Some of you have lost spouses. They've either died or they've left or it's just been uh, difficult circumstances, complicated circumstances. And the Lord's saying it is the season of refreshing and I'm going to begin to return to you that which was stolen. And the Lord says, just trust me. Even if you were at fault, even if it was something bad like that, God's still going to redeem it for you. Just trust him. It's not about your goodness. It's about his goodness. You might as well just say, thank you, Jesus. Even if you've been the one that wasn't very nice and good. (laughs) Amen? Thank you, Jesus. The goodness of God. God's going to bring healing to some marriages right now that are a little rocky. Praise God. Going to bring healing to you. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise you, Father. I'm just letting the Holy Ghost lead me and all that. Uh, sir, back here, you got a colorful shirt on. You're on the end row. Yeah, you have an anointing on you. You have kind of this unique combination of business and ministry that God's marked you with. Um, I see you leading and speaking to people and telling them what to do. And there's been times you haven't had the confidence to do so, but the Lord's just bringing you forward to bring great uh, life to you in the name of Jesus. And, um, man, it's almost like, you know when you look at somebody and the wind gets knocked out of them? We have a saying that means, like, you get hit, and all of a sudden you can't breathe very well. And I'm looking at you, and it's like the wind got knocked out of you in some areas of your momentum. And the Lord's wanting to restore that also. And I see great strength coming to you in Jesus' name. There was something your father was supposed to give you. Something your father was supposed to give you. And literally the Lord is saying, I'm your father. And I'm going to redeem things, redeem time, and bring great breakthrough to you. And it shall be well. The Lord's saying, just tell him, Joseph, that I'm his father. He knows you. He loves you. And any father in the whole world would be very proud to call you son. The same way you call others son. I bless you, man of God. 
you're God's man. You have a, a knack for art on the inside. I see art inside you, creativity, the ability to make stuff out of nothing, the ability to create and paint, so to speak, and God's called you. I bless you, sir, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Woman in the back with the hat, God is beginning to say to you, I'm going to bless and I'm going to take away shame and curses and all this stuff and breaking you into the fresh season of what belongs to you also. I see this strength on your life. I see a bank account. In this bank account, uh, it had gone kind of lower than you'd wanted, and there's some things happening there. And the Lord's saying, I'm going to move some things around. I'm going to create creative and witty ideas to bring this understanding to pass in you, and it shall be well. All will be well. I see a young lady coming to assist. This young lady assists with her words and with her actions, and it shall be well as you move forward in some uh, innovation to bring great increase to different accounts. And God's working that process out for you. God is with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord, isn't he? Man, we just glorify the name of Jesus. We glorify the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Woman of God back here uh, next to the man of God there. I think we met earlier. Didn't we, man of God? You and me? Yeah, I think we met. Woman of God. Yes, you. In Jesus' name, I just begin to speak life over you. The Lord says you have an ability to break chains off people through love and tenderness. You have an ability to speak. You know how it says a gentle answer turns away wrath? You carry that. You carry the strength. Now, you're a strong lady, but you're a very sensitive lady. As a matter of fact, you're highly prophetic. Okay? Let me speak this over you. You're highly prophetic. And sometimes, you're like, if I, when I'm ministering to people, if I put my right hand on people, I get information. If I put my left hand on people, I get a lot of information off people. And I don't know what that's about. I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of it. But you're also very sensitive. A word for you would be empathetic. You carry emotions heavily. And that emotion that you carry is actually not just your natural makeup. It's actually prophetic. You're carrying things that you go, wow. And your dreams sometimes happen. I see you dreaming, and then I see you going, my goodness, this, something's going on here, and the Lord begins to show you. And so I begin to release, and I wake that gifting up inside you even more. I begin to call that forward in the name of Jesus. Lord, I call that to amplify in the name of Jesus. And the Lord said, you be you. You don't have to be someone else. You be you, and you minister over people, and you love people. And the Lord says, yes, I've put this gift in you, and yes, I've marked you to prophesy, and yes, I've called you to just be like Philip's daughters and begin to speak these things out. You're an in-house prophetic voice, and God's going to bring that forward. People are going to live and all of that. There's going to be a day that God leads and does things, and I believe as Pastor Tafara sees fit, I believe there will be a day that there's a prophetic team here, and the prophetic team will not be all high-flying and all that. They'll share accurate, clear-eyed, clear-minded words that set people free, and people will know they can come to this church and receive prophetic ministry they can trust. So praise God. I bless you, woman of God. You're awesome. You guys, hold on now. Let me, I need to qualify the thing I'm about to say, okay? I just need to say this over you. You don't have a little girl, do you? You have a little boy? Are you going to try for another child or no? Not anytime soon? She said, not anytime soon. Well, good one, prophet. <laughs> no, no, but, but I, I, when I'm looking at you, I see a little girl and I don't know why. I'm seeing this picture and God's saying something about a little girl. Thank you, Jesus. It is well. And God's going to bring some things to pass for you. 
Can we stretch our hands towards this woman of God? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see a promise coming to you. I see it unfolding. I see things beginning to happen. And I see something really great beginning to unfold for you by way of legacy. And the Lord says he's going to redeem some things. And even that which was lost will be refound and regained. And God will make a way where there has been no way. And the Lord says even that which was lost, all is well. All is well. I have everything in my hand even right now. I hear the Lord saying, in my hand right now. And there will come again another anointing. And I see God saying, legacy, strength, and the blessing of the Lord. And there will be a joyful voice in your house and a musical voice. And this anointing will surely be yours. It is well. And there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You're God's woman, and I bless you in Jesus' name. You're amazing. Amen. Jesus. It's good. Oh, praise God. Well, we have a lot of ministry we're going to do this week. You know, some nights we'll do a little more teaching, then we'll get all high flying, and who knows what's going to happen, and we're going to have good times together. God is going to touch people superfluously in Jesus' name. If we could, why don't we stand up to our feet tonight? I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor. I sure love you, Pastor Tafara. I love coming here just to be with these guys. They're my buddies, man. We get to hang out. Thank you for the privilege again tonight. Can we give it up for Pastor Tafara? Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who